Well, good morning again. I said yesterday that uh, we came to Bible school, and I've been in school this week. Without going into a lot of detail, God is doing a mighty work in this vessel. Praise His name. So sweet to get close to Him. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Holy Father, we quiet our spirits before you this morning. Thank you, Father, for this cleansing, breaking, empowering, invigorating work of the Holy Ghost among us this week. We just pray, Father, your rich blessings to continue to pour upon us to show ourselves who we are and who you are and to mold us more into your image and to pour more of us out and more of you in. Father, we just pray that your presence would be here in a mighty way with these trembling knees and these weak lips that all would be done to your honor and glory and to the testimony of your work in our lives. We just pray for each heart today. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Lord is uh, clearly giving me some direction this week. And I might as well just tell you that uh, the direction I'm feeling is that he is moving us a little more towards a thematic approach to some areas here of 1 John, and we're just simply not going to be able to cover all the material. It's a big book. It's a little big book. So I told uh, both Brother Denny and, and uh, uh, let's see, the other brother, um, uh, no, uh, Pete, brother Pete, not to worry about infringing on the book of First John. It's a it's a big thing, and this is all the work of the Lord. Uh, to start here, I'd like to just look at a few verses I meant to start with yesterday, in the twelfth verse of the second chapter, and just want to get a picture of who he's writing to. He says, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because ye have overcome the wicked one. This is who he is writing to. And because... I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and and ye have overcome the wicked one. I just want to give that to us this morning, that that's the context that some of these hard lessons are coming in. These are men and women of God. Some of them are young in the faith. 
Some of them are old in the faith. And I see that as very much the case here among us today. The reason I wanted to mention that, especially this morning, is is the next uh, three days, if if it continues the way it seems to be going here, we're going to progress uh, a little deeper into some very specific areas that first that John is wanting to tell us in this book. And the precious thing is, is if we're not there, he's just calling us there. But he's wanting to, to fortify us. Brother John Michael said yesterday that he sees great potential here. And I just want to echo that. I just have to confess as a pastor and a little older brother to you, I feel a great jealousy over your hearts. I see some things coming down the pike. We all do. You know, I see there's going to be a time when you're out there in the wilderness like Jesus was. And you're one-on-one, hand-to-hand combat with the mortal enemy of your soul. And I just want to be out there, just between you, just helping you, but I'm not going to be able to. And none of these brethren are. We've got to go to those places when God calls us there. But the exciting thing is, is He gives us times like this. Times when we can when we can open up our hearts and our our minds to His Word, and we can be taught, and we can gain strength for the journey, and we can gain lessons and understandings of the Scripture, so that when that moment comes, we will stand, and we will not fall, even if it's the calling of Antipas. Terrible things. I see something else, though. And this is more on the positive side of the picture. I see a generation who can avoid the sins of their fathers. And that's not a specific accusation of any of our fathers. What it is, is is we can be fortified in things that have plagued humanity all down through the generations. And the one we're going to talk about today is no less of any of those. I'm going to write this title on the board again. An old command Oops. Dot, dot, dot. And again, a new commandment. It's been uh, 
several years now, I'm not sure how many years, uh, probably a uh, little less than 10. And Brother Denny's brother, Marshall, was at our love feast at Price's Creek. And he made a statement. And this statement has rang through my ears. And it's just been a guiding pillar of my life, even though I don't always keep it in, our, in the front of, our, of my mind. And I want to present this statement to you in the form of a question, and you are free to ask this question at the end of this session. And you're free to go to the book of 1 John and let the, let this, the testimony of 1 John answer this question. It is this. God insists on measuring the depth and reality of our relationship with Him by the depth and reality of our relationship with one another. That was quite a statement. But it's exciting because it's a toolbox that John gives us uniquely. And we are in a world who who cries Jesus and slays our brother. And as I s spoke there in the beginning, as I, as I shared this burden I have for you youth and for all of us together, that jealousy I feel over your souls, that desire I want for you to be trees of righteousness, to stand firm against the enemy, to have the real thing, Part of the excitement of that is I think you can purpose this, hopefully this study today will give us a, a, an insight into something we can grab onto that will help us stand against our enemy. <clears throat> Let's just do a little reading here to start off. 1 John 2 verse 1. We'll start there again. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we, love, that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him. And keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we, we know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Brethren, here's our text verse. I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. And again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. 
That's a precious promise. A very precious promise. And we'd like to just explore this a little today by the grace of God and the help of God. I'd like to read a, a, a few more scriptures. I, I'm going to just read these, I think, from my notes, and I'm going to give you the references, and you're welcome to turn there, but just for the sake of time, I'm going to do that. Just turn to, to the book of John 14 and verse 15. Just this simple statement, If ye love me, keep my commandments. And then in verse 21, He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. And now the uh, I believe it's 421. First John, back to First John, chapter four and the twenty-first verse. And this is the commandment which we have from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. Back to John 13. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. I'm going to make you go back and forth here a little bit. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth knoweth not God, for God is love. Excuse me. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because... God, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another... God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. A lot of Scripture there. A lot we're not going to probably get to here. But we just want to, to explore this statement back here in these two text verses in 1 John 2 a little bit this morning. We'd like to first of all figure out this puzzle that He has given us. Because John says, uh, I don't really give you a new commandment. No new commandment. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye heard from the beginning. But then he immediately follows that and he says again, A new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in Him and in you 
because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. And then he goes right into this. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. And he that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there's none occasion of stumbling in him. So we have an old commandment. And we read there uh, what Jesus said there back in John. He said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. But we know that this was from the beginning. And it could be from the beginning of Christ. We could look at it that way in the sense that He's commanding us to love one another. Or we could even go back clear to Deuteronomy 6 where He commands us that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. Or words to that effect. And then we know that in the Ten Commandments there, there are many things that teach us that we should love our neighbor as ourself. Don't covet. Don't commit adultery. And all of these things that we commit against our neighbor. So it's an old commandment. And yet he says here, but a new commandment I give unto you. I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Now we'd like to go back up to the first part of this chapter. Chapter 2, My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. You see, we need the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because our righteousness is not good enough. We, we have no righteousness. We have to be made right by the person of Jesus Christ. Let's turn back to Romans 3 for a few minutes. We'll start in verse 19. Now we know that whatsoever things, what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in His sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God which is by the faith of Jesus Christ, and to all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Very familiar scripture to us. But here we see that there is righteousness by faith. Righteousness by faith. Righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. John's word for faith is believe. Believe.
What is true faith? Is it some kind of just do we just pull true faith out of the air? Is it some kind of you know I've heard this belief of faith in faith sometimes. It's like we have this, this mental picture of faith that we just need to, to believe, but somehow this thing does not become practical to us. True faith says, yes, Lord. True faith takes Him at His whole word and, removes its, and moves its body in full obedience to that faith. And when God sees that faith that takes the righteousness of His Son for real, He does that work in us. And He declares us righteous. Not that we are righteous, but God Himself, Jesus Christ, is our righteousness. So we have a little problem here. We have a commandment. And this commandment is that we love one another. And we try to love one another, don't we? And we do pretty good sometimes, as long as it feels good. There's absolutely no discrepancy between faith and obedience. Faith embodies obedience. Faith says, whatever you say, Lord, is the fullness of what I believe. And if you say it, I will do it. First John 3:23 and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment You see the commandment is as much believing in the power of God to do this as it is in purposing to love. Because when we try to love, we just reach a point where we don't do so good anymore. And yet He is calling us to Calvary love. He says, as I laid down my life for you, so I want you to lay down your lives for one another. And then on top of it all, He says, how did he say that? You shall never fall. He puts such ramifications on this, this reality. And if God indeed does measure the depth and reality of our relationship with Him by the depth and reality of our relationship with each other, and this thing isn't going real well, and we're not connecting very well with each other, then we're kind of in trouble.
belief. And this is the commandment, that you should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. If you love me, keep my commandments. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. I get a picture of Jesus. It's dark. It's quiet. He's out on the Mount of Olives. Lord. Father. And he's crying out to God. And he wants to speak nothing but what God will put in his lips. And he wants to do nothing but what God will tell him to do. Hebrews 10 verse 5 says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. But a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, said Jesus, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. A body hast thou prepared me. And Lord, in this body, in spite of the things I'm suffering, I'm going to be obedient. And I'm going to go out there on the mountain. And I'm going to seek your presence. And whatever is your will is going to be my will. And I'm going to lay myself down. And it's in this fellowship with God. That thing we were talking about yesterday. Koinonia. Jesus living in the sunbeam of connection with God. And a will laid down. And a surrender to only speak what God speaks. And now we're starting to get the picture. It's a template. He says, I command you to love one another. And I'm going to measure how close you can get to me by how well you're doing. And we try that thing. And we go after that thing. And we fail. And there's a word in 1 John, and we may touch on it another day some, but it's the word abide. You know what abide means? It means live there. 
And when we start abiding in Jesus, and I don't have all of these scriptures memorized, it's, they're all so intertwined. I can't just seem to just go quickly and pull them out. But as we are abiding in Christ, remember what it said, I think, there in the first... This love begins to be perfected in us. As we are, as we are communing with Christ, and as we are living in Him, and as we are praying with Him, as we spend nights, as it were, on Mount Olive in our own lives, and we start connecting with Him, and we only want what He wants. Our wills are laid down. We only want to speak what He speaks. And we only want to do the will of the Father. There's an abiding and there's a communion. It's another word for koinonia is translated into communion. And there's a unity. And what we begin to see is there's the power to love. You see, a lot of our problem is we don't believe that this can happen. How many situations do you have in your life? How many situations do you know about? And you think, they've been to the counselors. And, and, and that situation is really huge. And I think there must surely be an exception for that because after all, she's laid down her life and she's done this or he's done that and they've given and they've given and they've been abused and they've been cornered and they've been mistreated and trumped upon and surely that one's too big for God. And then we see Calvary love and Jesus hanging on a cross We don't believe it because we're not in Christ like we should be. You see, there was two problems before Christ came with this old commandment. One was that we had never seen anybody be able to do this before. Not we, but those prior to Christ. And the second was we did not have the power to do it. And now we have that available to us. Another word that's used here, and the brethren are surely going to be touching on this um, in, in the talk of the work of the Holy Ghost, but you have an unction, a covering, an anointing, a baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is called the Spirit of Christ. If we go back into John 17, we see this transfer where Jesus is about ready to leave and He's praying to His Father. And He says, I'm going to go because I'm going to send My very Spirit back to you and I'm going to anoint you with the very power and presence that I had. But the problem is we don't abide in that. And the next problem is, or the first problem is, we actually somehow allow human reasoning and human restrictions to, to hinder the power of God. 
broken koinonia. Broken fellowship. Because I've spent my last dime and I've laid my life down and frankly I've about had it with them and we don't believe and we don't abide and we don't go in there like Jesus did and begin to give ourselves and begin to give ourselves and say you know I had an older brother come up to me one time I didn't know him very well. It was actually a group of us brethren. You would probably all know his name if I mentioned it. And he said, let me tell you something. I'll just get something straight ahead of time. If there's ever any division between us, it's my fault. It made a big impression on me. You know what I sense in that? I sense Calvary love. I sense belief in what God can do. And brothers and sisters and young people today, this is a huge deal. Because God is creating all kinds of blockages in your life. And we have, we have friction and we have, we have misunderstandings and we have hurts and we have broken relationships. And God says, I can't flow down through there and out of you and out and out. I can't do that. Because I insist on measuring the depth and reality of your relationship with me by the depth and reality of your relationship with one another. I've ordained it. I've commanded it. And I've given the provisions for it. When we abide in Him, we are linked to Him. And something else begins to happen in us. All of the commandments of God, humility, unity, life, glory, His meekness, His holiness, all of these things, suddenly we believe. Yes, Lord. And our eyes begin to lift from these planes and these feelings and these measurements and these I've had it enoughs. And we start to get our eyes on Christ. And we start to get excited about the holy possibilities of what might happen. What just might happen. If I could love like He loved. Love fills all the commandments. Turn to Romans 13. We'll read verses 8 to 10. 
no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt commit adultery. Excuse me. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this, saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Turn to Galatians 5. Look at the 13th verse and the 14th verse. Galatians 5, 13. Excuse me, I was in the wrong chapter. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, if ye be abiding in Christ, Ye are not under the law. Turn to uh, James 2, verse If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if you have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Have you ever been guilty of this? Well, I do. Uh, I live according to my church's standards. I live according to my home standards. Um, I've got all of this done. Believe we're in. But there's this person, and there's broken communion. And there's broken fellowship. He says, if you offend in one point, the law is not fulfilled.
can't love others the way Christ loved me unless He does it. And I must be united to Him for that to happen. You know, this new commandment is so different than the old one. The old one just said, you should do this, and you should do this, and you should do this. And as long as we've got the checklist carried out, uh, done, we're okay. But just go back to that, to that account of the Samaritan, the good Samaritan. And that man that fell among thieves, and he was laying bruised and broken and bleeding. And there was nothing in the law of that Levite and that priest that, for, that commanded them to do that. But there was something in the law of loving my neighbor as myself that demanded that man stop and give himself and lay down his life as it were for that poor bleeding dying man. You see, it's a grand law. It's something that, that changes something inside of us. When we're in communion with Christ, we begin to think like Christ. We begin to hunger for Christ. We begin to just want to fulfill His will and His Word. One of the wonderful opportunities, as I said, is to not repeat the sins of our fathers. And again, that's not a specific thing. It's something that happens in every generation. You know, many of us in this room are familiar with church divisions. And on the fruit of the tree of church divisions grows bitterness. And I've got my theology right. And so I have the right to think of him as someone lower. I looked it up, the scripture about the root of bitterness, and it seems to be just sort of a lone little scripture there if we're going to use it in this context. I hope you can bear with me. But the root of bitterness defiles many. And the one reason I want you to get this so badly, this is a very simple lesson this morning. It's just this simple. We are commanded to love. We are commanded to love and love and love and let nothing come in any relationship. Nothing. And it's a commandment. But we've been given the power. We've been given the example of Jesus Christ. And this fruit that's coming off these trees is sowing seeds and generations of people take the broad way because of one fruit that sowed a seed and spread 
the poison. I'm going to get a little personal with you folks. How's your relationship with your daddy? I don't suppose you can understand it until you're a daddy. But there's something very close to the heart of God in a father-son and father-daughter relationship. And it's because He's the Father. And greater love hath no man than this, than our Father who gave Himself and His only begotten Son that He might restore us into fellowship. And He has put that image, that fingerprint on our relationships And He wants daddies and sons and daddies and daughters to be close. He doesn't want them to be distant. How about your mother? And I can just imagine the list that starts going through our minds of all the things and all the reasons and all the unfairness and all the disconnect. And you know what? It may be true. But what we're looking at here is a new commandment. And with the new commandment is new power. And when we abide in Christ, we can make sure that on our side of the tunnel, of the conduit, you might say, of the pipeline, that there is no blockage and there is prayer and there is weeping and there is asking for forgiveness and there is, there is openness. There is nothing but desire for fellowship and a heart and a will that's just laid down in a belief that God can do this. I want to tell you something. Restored relationship is sweet. And if you don't have it today, I just ask you to consider giving it all you've got. Because we don't want anything to mar the sunbeam. It's too precious. And God insists on measuring the depth of our relationship with Him by the depth and reality of our relationship with one another. What about your siblings? Do you have any siblings that you're rivals with? Maybe it's that brother or sister that can just do it better. Maybe you... God forbid, but maybe... Maybe it seems like dad or mom kind of favors them. And you've always lived in their shadow. And I know how it is. I'm me and I need... I, I, I want to be somebody. But these little things come in and they start... 
they start binding us up and clogging this pipeline and we cannot receive the blessing of relationship, of koinonia. What's your relationship with your ministers at your church? How dare he? That's a precious one too. God has given these things. It's ordained of God and it's under the authority of God. And anything that's there is under the blessing of God. Maybe you have an employer or a work associate. Maybe a partner in business. And I tell you, we've just been rubbing and rubbing and rubbing. And I, I think, I thought I had a pretty hardened plate on there, but I think this thing's about to wear through. If they do that one more time, I just don't know if I can handle this thing. And God calls us higher. He calls us to a new commandment. Now, I'm not going to let you escape that easy because if there's anyone else that you can think of, I'd like you to take a moment. I'm just going to give you a moment of silence. And I just want you to in your own heart, in your own meditation, I'd like you just to write down someone that you feel something against. If it's there, just take a moment. If there's anyone, there's anyone in which this thing is not flowing, just take a moment and write their name. Let's pray. God, I can't imagine what you must feel of jealousy over the hearts of precious souls and against the advances of those things that break fellowship if you allow us to feel it like this. Lord, you can break open any pipeline. You 
can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I don't know who or where or how bad the pain, how deep the estrangement, but God, I just pray that You would give them the courage to believe, to embrace the new commandment. I just pray, Father, that the joy, the fullness of joy that You've promised could come bursting through these pipelines, could come streaming down the sunbeam, and that if there's any blockages, that they would be completely obliterated, and that we would only have fellowship with You and with Your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and within the body of Christ, and with all men, because we know, Lord, the ramifications. It's by this, actually, that people know, they can tell, that we've been abiding with You. They can see the glow. They can see the refusal to conflict. And they say, these must be disciples. Disciples of that one Jesus. I just pray that You would comfort our hearts together, Lord. Continue to mold us and break us and shape us and teach us from Your precious Word. Pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're going to leave you with a couple of scriptures. 1 John 3:18. My little children, let us love not in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know what that means? There's no limit. There's nothing limiting your exertion. I want to make this clear. There's nothing limiting your exertion to love. Don't put a crimp on that. But we must do it in tandem with belief in the power of God and knowledge that He is the one that makes us righteous. And He is the one in which this thing will be accomplished. And when we get a hold of that, brothers and sisters, we're on the road for serious fullness of joy. First John 1, 2, excuse me, 1 John 2, 24. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning, that when ye have heard, I'm sorry, if that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son, and in the Father. And I thought I would spend some time in, in the 15th chapter of John. Maybe that will come later. Just this reality of abiding in the vine. It's being in Christ. Being out there on the Mount of Olives. Wrestling with God in prayer. Singing with the Lord. Praying to the Lord. Seeking the will of the Lord. 
and then coming back to any relationship and keeping that pipeline open and free for Him to work. Abide in Him. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. The Lord bless you.